Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Please open your Bibles to the book of James. And we will be back again this morning in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This will be part 2 as we look at the subject of humility. I do want to tell you that uh, Kate Epperson was supposed to give a testimony right at this time. And she had shared it with me earlier. And she shared it with me after I preached last Sunday. And it was about humility. And that's what we're looking at, humbling yourselves before God. And I asked her, and she was here this morning, but Kate uh, got sick and had to leave the service. So we certainly want to remember remember her in our prayers. But one of the things she was telling me, and by the way, maybe next Sunday or soon we'll have her to give the testimony. But what she said was to me is that something happened uh, that upset her a little bit. And she said the Holy Spirit spoke to her and asked her, are you going to be a baby? Or will you be a mature Christian and humble yourself? Now, her story is a, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful story that she tells. But you know how it works. That's the part the Holy Spirit just highlighted in my mind and in my heart. And I can't tell you how many times since then that something has happened and I hear the words of Kate Epperson saying, are you going to be a baby? Or will you humble yourself and be a mature Christian in this situation? And, uh, and let me just tell you something, friends. It is okay. It is acceptable. It is even cute for babies to act like babies. But it is never cute for an adult to act like a baby. And so many times, too many times, Christians act like babies. And the subject of humility is, uh, as we look at it in this text, is all about us humbling ourselves down before God. Being mature. Taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it on the Lord Himself. And, and, and growing up, if you please. Isn't it time Christians grow up and act like Christians? Let me tell you what's wrong with America. This is what's wrong with America. You can point at the White House. You can point at politicians. You can point at anybody you want to point at. But friends, I'll tell you what's wrong with America. The church is not acting like the church. And if the church would start acting like the church, if Christians would start acting like Christians, we could turn this nation around. Uh, And as I get ready to read this text on humility... Uh, I'm reminded of something else. I think it was last Sunday, maybe this Sunday, before we had some visitors with us. And this lady said to me, I've never seen a church like this before. And 
You know, I surely thought what would be next is she was going to say, talk about what great preaching we have in this church. Or maybe what great singing or what great worship we have in this church or just the atmosphere. And I said to her, what is it about this church that's different from any other church you've ever been in? And this is what she said. She said, the men in this church worship the Lord. She said, I've never been in a church where so many men would humble themselves down and worship the Lord. So before I read this text, men, would you join me at the altar as we humble ourselves down before God? I think this is one of the most significant things we do in this fellowship. When men bow down before a holy God, when men are not afraid to get on their knees and get on their face and cry out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, get as close as you can. Bow down, we'll pray. And we'll ask God to do something very, very special in these next few moments. If you can't get all the way up, come on around here. We've got some places. If you have trouble kneeling, you can just sit down close to the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in that name which is above every name, we bow before you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, we humble ourselves before you. You are indeed the Lord God of all flesh, and there's nothing too hard for you. And as the men of this church, as the men in our families and our households, we bow down before you and we recognize that you are the great shepherd. That you're the one who leads. And we submit ourselves, Father, to your will and to your word. We want, we want your will to be done in our lives. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, for the many, many times that we've gone astray, that we've not been humble before you. Forgive us, Lord. Father, we pray afresh and anew right now that the Holy Spirit of God would fall upon us fall upon our families, our homes, and upon this, your church, that the Spirit of the living God would be upon us, that there would be an open heaven above us this day, and the glory, the Shekinah glory of heaven itself would begin to radiate in this place, that heaven would, that that God's will would be done, your will would be done in this place as it is in heaven. Father, grant that souls will be saved and lives will be changed. Grant, Lord, to each of us that sense of awareness that sin becomes exceedingly sinful and unacceptable in your sight, that we might repent and become a holy people before you. Bless this church. Bless these men. Bless these dear Christian women here today, Father. Bless our homes. And Father, we pray that a great revival will break out in this fellowship. But Father, we also pray that a great revival will break out in every church that names the name of Jesus and preaches your word and that this nation will see a turnaround. Lord, we ask for you to do what only you can do. Bless now the reading of your word and the preaching of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may go back to your seats.
If you, if you do not already have your Bibles open to James chapter 4, please do so now. We'll read verses 1 through 6. And then we'll pick up right where we left off last week. James chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1. James says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but He gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, as I told you last week, this is really a sad and ugly picture of the church because that's who James is writing to. It's hard to believe that what we're looking at right now was an epistle that went to the churches and was read before many, many churches. He says, you're warring and fighting. We see that so much in churches today. You're selfishly pursuing your own pleasures. You're full of lust and murder. You're coveting and destroying one another. Adulterers and adulteresses is what he calls them. He says nothing satisfies you. You are not praying at all. You're not talking to God about these things that you need to be talking about. You've got all this mess going on in your church and you're not even talking to God about it. And he says, and when you do pray, it's all about you. What what an embarrassing description of the church that James was writing to. And I can tell you today that I believe it was divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit and I believe it was divinely preserved to our day Because the church needs to hear the exact same message. The problem is that the church can get in a a big mess if we're not careful. But here's the solution, and here's where I left you last time. And that is, humility is the answer. No matter what the problem is in your life. This is no exaggeration. This is all inclusive. No matter what the problem is in your life, humility is the answer. At least it's the beginning of the answer. Let me explain that in in light of Scripture. In light of all the Scripture. Those of you who have studied the Bible very long, you will know that everything I'm saying comes right out of the Scriptures. God is our helper. The Bible calls Him that at times. He is our helper. He's the one who wants to help us, not hurt us. God is the one who rescues us. He comes to our rescue. When no one else can help us, He's the one who can rescue us. And once 
Scripture talks about Him being the Deliverer. He delivers us. The Bible says He opens prison doors. He sets the captives free. He's the one who delivers us when we can't find a way out and nobody else can help us out. He, he's, he's the one who redeems us. The idea of being redeemed means that God pays the ransom for our release. And you know and I know that He did that through Jesus on the cross. He became the ransom for our redemption. God is the one who satisfies us. The Bible tells us in His presence is fullness of joy. We can spend a lifetime looking for happiness, satisfaction, and joy, but God is the one who gives it. And I love the Scriptures that talk about He's our defender. He's the one who defends us. He's our high tower. He's our buckler and shield. He's our rear guard. He's the one who watches out for us and protects us. The Bible says that He is our healer. The Bible calls Him Je uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. He's the one who can raise you up when nobody thinks that you can get up. Gene, good to see you in church today. God is the one who can raise you up when everybody thinks there's no hope for you. He's the one who can restore you. He's the one who can give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He can restore what the enemy has taken from you. He's the one who can give mercy and grace and turn everything around. He's the one who can give meaning and make your life worthwhile. This is no stretch. I'm not exaggerating. So far, it's all just an understatement. You see, the Bible says things like this, that when God is for us, when God is for us, who can be against us? Well, I just love that. When God is for us, who can be against us? When, when God is on our side, no weapon of war formed against us will prosper. You see, when God is with you, l listen, when God is working in your life, nothing is impossible for those who believe. When God is with us, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. This is all Scripture. But listen to me. This is so important. Don't miss this. And I fear most of the church today has missed this. The only way you can get into the presence of God is through humility. The only way you can walk with Christ is through humility. You see, friends, everything I've just shared with you, all of those wonderful things that the Bible talks about what God is to us, it's all null and void without humility. It's all out of our reach without humility. You see, humility is the door that gets us into the presence of God. It gets us into the promises of God. It gets us into the power of God. Listen, I believe in studying the Bible and we should study it more, but you can study the Bible all day long, every day, but without humility it will do you no good. You, you can pray. 
Man, we should pray. I think we're getting ready to step things up in the area of prayer around this church. You can pray and double down on prayer. But until you really humble yourself, it'll do you no good. You can go to work in this church and you can dedicate your life to community service and you can work until your fingers bleed. But until you humble yourself, it will do you no good. God requires it of all of us. I want to share a scripture with you. And if you've never marked this one in your Bible, you should do so. It's Micah 6.8. Here it is. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord, say it with me, require? What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? See, I want to tell you, friends, three things God requires of us. Here it is, do justly. That means you do what's right. You tell the truth. You're honest. One scripture says God loves those who will swear to their own hurt. It means you live your life with a sense of integrity. It means you're an honest person to do justly. And then it says to love mercy. That means in your dealing with others, you show compassion and forgiveness and mercy. You lavish mercy upon other people. You're not judgmental. You're not critical. You love mercy. And then it says, and to walk humbly with your God. That means you learn His ways and you surrender to His will. It doesn't mean that you get to keep doing whatever you want to do. It means you bow down before a holy God and you take His Word, His will, and you begin to obey. That's what biblical humility is all about. And so, so the Bible tells us that God wants us to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And by the way, every great man of God you find in the Scriptures, that's exactly what they did. Let me, let me show, something, show you something that just blew me away when I saw this. Uh, most of you are aware, if you've studied your Bible very long, that the New Testament is not written in chronological order. In other words, we have it Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans... 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and so forth. But all the theologians, it's one of the few things they all agree on, that's not the order in which it was written. And if you look at it in context, you can see that. The, the Bible is not written in that order. This will shock you just a little bit. Did you know that almost all the theologians believe down through the centuries that the very first New Testament book that was written was the book of James. The book we're studying right now. That before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, before the other epistles, James, the brother of Jesus, penned these words. It was the first letter that the new church, the newly born church of Jesus Christ, would receive. And by the way, if you think about that, that may clear up some things for us. How could you be talking to a church about warring and fighting and coveting and lust and adultery and rebellion against God. Unless the church was just a baby. Unless the church had just been born. Unless the church had just come into existence and all the people who are in the church are just babes in Christ who've just come out of a world that's always doing what? Warring and fighting and coveting and seeking pleasure. And so James is starting out from the beginning with the Word of God to say unacceptable in the presence of God. I, I, I wanted to throw that in because when I saw that, it made sense about some of this stuff that James was saying. 
It's not written in order. For instance, Romans was written before the book of Acts. Galatians was written before 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And a theologian a long time ago decided to read the Bible in the chronological order in which it was written. And he found something in the life of Paul that's pretty amazing and it deals with humility. Here it is. In 48 A.D., Paul, writing to the Galatian church, calls himself the Apostle to the Gentiles. That's what he calls himself. Seven years later, in 55 A.D., Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, calls himself the least of the apostles. Two years later, in 57 A.D., Paul says to the Roman church, no good thing dwelleth in me. Three years later, in 60 A.D., he's writing to the Ephesian church, and Paul calls himself less than the least of all God's people. Three years after that, in 63 A.D., Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he calls himself the worst of sinners. My goodness. First, Paul calls himself the apostle to the Gentiles. Then he says, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles. And then he says, no good thing is in me. And then he says, I'm less than the least of all God's people. And then he says, I'm the worst of all sinners. Paul is taking this journey down, and it is amazing. You see, friends, the closer the Apostle Paul, let's just leave that up a while, the closer the Apostle Paul got to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more humble he became. The closer he got to God, the more he saw himself to be nothing. A zero. The longer he walked with God, the greater God became in his eyes, and the smaller he became. God is everything, I'm nothing. If our history is right, the Apostle Paul was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ in 36 A.D. 27 years after his conversion, he wrote a letter to young Timothy, and in that letter he said, I am the worst of sinners. One passage, uh, one translation says, I'm the chief sinner. Uh, by the way, friends, I went back and looked at it in context. Paul is not saying, I was, past tense, the worst of sinners. Paul is writing to Timothy and he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am the worst. I'm the worst sinner of all. That's what Paul was saying. Now, here's the $64 question. Was he backslidden? Absolutely not. He was anything but backslidden. When Paul says, I am the worst of sinners, 
What had happened in 27 years of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer he got to the Lord, the more he realized what a horrible sinner he was apart from the saving grace and cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. Oh friends, you see, the closer a man gets to God, the more he will see himself to be a wretched sinner. Undone. Nothing without Christ. Now, now, by the way, as you walk this journey, there's a little bit of mathematics that you need to understand. And that is, once you see Christ as everything, and you are nothing, so help me out, do we have any mathematicians in the house? What do you get when you add everything to nothing? It's everything. It's everything. When you humble yourself down, and Christ becomes more important than anything else in your life, And you see yourself as being a nobody, a nothing, undone, lost. I tell people sometimes if I got what I deserved, I'd be dead and in hell right now. But I didn't get what I deserved. But I want to tell you, I also didn't find Christ as my Savior until I put my face in the carpet, so to speak, and cried out, forgive me, God, I am a sinner. Have mercy upon me. Every now and then, I'll talk to someone and they will say something to me and and I just know when the conversation is drifting in this direction. When I'm talking to someone and I begin to get the idea that they're trying to convince me how good they are. Have you ever talked to somebody who wanted to convince you how good they are? Oh, I'm just walking with God. I'm so wonderful. I'm so good. I'm so great. Let me tell you, when somebody goes down that line of thinking, and I begin to hear that, here's what I know about that person. I know that person is not in a million miles of the presence of God. They're not even close. Now, so you'll understand that I'm not being judgmental today. I look back with embarrassment on some times in my life when I tried to convince some people how good I was. And the same is true of me. See, when a person's doing that, here's one thing you can be sure of. They're not walking with God. Not right at that moment. They're in the flesh at that moment. I'm not saying they're not saved. But I'm saying they're not walking with a holy God. Because when you walk with a holy God, you'll never do that. You'll never do that. And the reason I know that is because the Bible tells us. One of my favorite statements in the Bible says this. It says, the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. I love that. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Study your Bible. Look at the greatest men of God who ever lived. Look at Abraham. Look at Daniel. Look at Peter, James, and John. Look at the Apostle Paul. All of these men and more. Every time they got into the presence and the glory of God, guess what they did? They fell on their faces like dead men before the Lord. You see, you see, friends, when the Bible says the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord, what it's saying, that's the biblical way of saying, in the presence of the Lord, everything melts. Are you with me? 
Everything melts. In the presence of the Lord, nobody brags. Nobody is boasting. Nobody is arrogant. Not in the presence of the Lord. The mountains melt like wax. In the presence of the Lord. A man that's walking with God does not brag and boast. A man that's walking with God doesn't stand up with a swelled chest thinking he's great. A man who's walking with God could barely stand at all. A man who's walking with God never feels like God's got a trophy in me. A man who is really walking with God can hardly believe that God would save a sinner such as himself. How could God save somebody like me? A man that's really walking with God. It just blows his mind to think that God. Think about this. That God would use him in his service to bring honor and glory to God. You see, I'm not blowing this out of proportion. I'm just trying to tell you today. That the scripture is real clear about all of this. Uh, uh, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And those who walk with God do it through humility. And the longer a man walks with God, the more humble he'll become. And by the way, friends, mark it down. That humility never turns into pride. Never turns into pride. The longer a man walks with God, he just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. As he goes up with God, he goes down in humility. It's in the Bible. It's all inverted. It's all upside down. It's opposite in the Bible. You see, friends, if you want to go up with God, you have to go down in humility. Jesus made this very clear. He that would be greatest among you, let him become your servant. He that would find his life must... Lose his life. It's all through the Scriptures. Oh, friends. Paul went from being the apostle to the least of the apostles. No good thing in me less than the least of all God's people to the worst of sinners. Man, the closer he got to the Lord, the smaller he became in his own eyes. I'd like for you to look at verse 6 one more time. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to just focus with me just for a moment on those first five words. But he gives more grace. But he gives more grace. Now, friends, that'd be a good place for us to just get real excited this morning. Why? Because we need more grace, don't we? We need more grace. Isn't it amazing that in this text, have you ever read in the Scripture a more horrible description of the church than what we just read? I mean, fighting and warring and coveting and lusting and murder and adultery. All of these horrible things. And the very next words out of his mouth are these. But he gives more grace. Man! God gives more grace. I'm asking you this morning. Is there somebody here? And you feel like Paul. You feel like you're the worst sinner. You feel like that you've completely missed the mark. 
that you're the number one sinner? Is there somebody here and you feel like you've completely messed up? But He gives more grace. Yeah? Is there somebody here today and you say things are in my life are different from everybody else in the world? I have a very unique situation. There's no way you could understand what I'm going through, Pastor. Nobody else can understand. I'm in a difficult place in my life. I need more grace than anybody else. But He gives more grace. Oh. Oh. Oh, listen. Arrogant, conceited, holier than thou, child of God. You need to repent. And you need to quit judging other people because I don't care how bad it gets in somebody else's life, God's got a message for them. But He gives more grace. Man, I love that. I love that. Are you here today and you feel like that you've drifted so far away from God that you can never get all the way back home to Him? But He gives more grace. Think think about it. Let's put it in context. They were warring and fighting with one another. They were coveting. They were lusting after the pleasures of the world. They were murdering and committing adultery. And he says, but he gives more grace. Wow. I want to close with this. I'm going to give you the the bad news and the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is things have a way of getting real bad in our lives, don't they? That's the bad news. You, you just, you, you just, have, do you ever, have you ever heard somebody say, it can't get any worse than this? Whew. Don't say that. Don't say that. Trust me, it can get worse than this. The bad news is, We all have feet of clay. We've all sinned and done that which was right in our own eyes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We all blow it from time to time. We're all pretty gifted at making a mess. The bad news is, things can get real, real, real bad in our lives. The good news is this. But He gives more grace. That's the good news. Now, hear me and hear me well. The only way we get to that more grace is we have to humble ourselves. It's not automatic. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Those who are willing to humble themselves down. Stop playing the blame game. Stop blaming everybody else. Stop pointing the finger. Those who are willing to say, God, I humble myself down before you. In repentance. Maybe calling on the Lord in salvation. Maybe calling on the Lord in renewal. 
and rededication. Maybe calling on the Lord and surrender to whatever He's called you to do. But those who humble themselves down before Him. This is the promise. But He gives more grace. Bow with me, please. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.